Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast, supported by University College at Washington University, offering approachable world-class education with undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. People of a certain age remember drive-in movie theaters. There used to be a lot of them all over the country. Teenagers went through them to neck, and they gave parents a chance to get out of the house and take small children with them. There are still a few of these outdoor theaters around, but they are now few and far between. But we have a guest who can bring them back in a fashion. Tom Stockman is a confessed movie geek and is editor of the website We Are Movie Geeks, and he joins me in studio. Tom, great to see you again. Thank you, Don. What happened to the drive-in theater? Well, when I was born in 1961, the drive-ins were kind of at their peak. There was about 4,100 drive-ins uh, spread throughout the country. Now there's probably about 350. Um, they just closed down. A, a lot of it had to do with real estate. Back uh, when the drive-ins were built in the 40s, they were sort of built out in the far county. For example, the first drive-in in St. Louis area was at... Um, Manchester and Ballas, where West County Mall currently sits. And back when it was built in 1940, that land just wasn't worth that much. But as the city expanded and the county expanded out west, that, that real estate became more and more valuable. So it, it, was, it made more sense to build West County Mall than to keep the drive-in open. The drive-in was only open several months of the year. It was only open at night. It just, it, it just made a lot of sense. And also uh, the VHS era in the early 80s, um, some of the same schlocky horror movies or sex movies that people were going out to see at the drive-ins they could see in the comfort of their own home. Also, I, you know, a, lot of, a lot of the smaller drive-ins were sort of mom-and-pop operations, and perhaps their, you know, the, the subsequent generations weren't interested in running the drive-ins. So there was a, a variety of factors that led to the death of the drive-ins, but I think most of it had to do with real estate values. Were most of the movies shown in drive-ins schlocky? No, not all. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> they showed mainstream movies as well, but there were movies, especially in St. Louis, that only showed at drive-ins. Yeah. I grew up in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and I was proud to learn in getting ready for this mm-hmm. interview that that's where it all started. That's right, 1933. Yeah. How and why were they started? Uh, well, they were, they were invented. They were actually patented, patented by a guy named Richard Hollingshead in 1933. And the story, the legend is that his mother was a very large, rotund woman, and she couldn't fit inside movie theater seats. And so Mr. Hollingshead had, had this idea, well, how can my mom enjoy a movie when she can't fit in the seats? How about I, I, we just have her sit in the car? So he, he invented the drive, and he also invented the ramp system where, where your, your car would pull up to an angled ramp. So it was lifted up, and it was, it was looking up. If it was pointed straight, you would, you would just be seeing the car in front of you. So he patented that in 1930, opened that first drive-in in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, they didn't have the speaker poles back then. That wasn't really invented until five or six years later. He just had two large speakers right next to the screen. My impression was that having those uh, speakers mm-hmm. meant that some people in certain parts of the, uh, of the drive-in, uh, the sound did not match what they were watching on the screen. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. And this was just, uh, just early on in the, in the uh, sound movie era. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true, 1933. Yeah. How, and during the heyday, how many uh, drive-in theaters were there in, in this vicinity? Well, there was about 20 in, in the St. Louis area. But my, my talk that I'm doing at the uh, Missouri History Museum next Thursday, the 14th, I'm going to talk about all those drive-ins. I'm going to cover those drive-ins. But I'm also going to um, cover the 
Metro East drive-ins. There was a number of interesting stories about the Metro East drive-ins as well. I was told by one of our producers to be sure to mention the Skyview drive-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he is from that neck of the woods, mm-hmm. and, and I, I guess he spent some time there, perhaps as yeah. a young man. But that's one of uh, – of, I think I read something by one of our reporters that there are only nine within about five-hour drive of Yeah, uh, there's only two within an hour of St. Louis. The Skyview, which you mentioned, is right in the middle of downtown Belleville. It's a very nice drive-in, and it really packs them in, too, and it's, it's very well kept up. There's another one in Cadet, Missouri, which is about an hour – Oh, southwest of St. Louis near DeSoto. And that one's kind of off the highway, off of Highway 21, and that one's uh, still open as well. And uh, also in Litchfield, uh, mm-hmm. Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, mm-hmm. and Cadet, Missouri. Yeah, as, if you want to drive a little mentioned. further, you can still yeah. go to the drive. How are they different, uh, if in any way, from the uh, 50s and 60s? Well, for one thing, you don't have the speakers on the poles anymore. You tune in your radio in your car. And that's how you get the sound, which always works. I'm, I'm always afraid I would run my battery down, running my uh, car battery for four hours. Um, that's, one, that's one reason they're different. I did go to the, the, the Skyview in Belleville last year, and that was the first time I'd been to the drive-in in about 15 years. It's really not the same. They're showing – I saw Wonder Woman. So they're showing the same kind of blockbusters that you can see in IMAX over at, you know, at any movie theater. And I guess – I guess we're, we're a little spoiled now. We, we go to these theaters and they have these reclining seats and these big giant IMAX, beautiful digital image and, and state-of-the-art state of the sound. You go to the drive-in and it, it's, it's sort of dark and muddy and the sound's not quite as good. It's, it's not quite the same as, as back in the day. You can watch so many movies that are on your, on your phone, and oh, sure, yeah. and that's uh, that's what a lot of people do. Yeah. How uh, what sort of a life expectancy might you expect for those few that are still around? Well, it's, I, I would say that if as long as they continue to uh, bring in crowds, they'll do pretty well. The uh, Skyline Drive-In, which is the one I mentioned out in Cadet, Missouri, it almost went out of business about 10 years ago because the drive-ins all had to upgrade to digital projection. The, prints, the studio stopped sending 35-millimeter prints over a decade ago. The Skyline w- was one of the ones that almost went out of business because they couldn't afford to upgrade. It was very expensive to upgrade those projectors, over $50,000 per, per screen to upgrade to digital projection. Um, Honda had a had a contest. It was called Project Drive-In, and they, they were going to choose four drive-ins across the country that were about to go out of business for that reason, and the Skyline, the skyline in uh, Cadet was one of the ones that they chose. And Joe Williams, who was the late... Uh, movie critic for the Post-Dispatch, he was really behind that. He was really one of the people that was saying, oh, let's write to this Honda Project driving and let's get the Skyline to be one of the, uh, one of the drive-ins that's chosen. And, and we were successful, so that's one of the reasons the Skyline. So who knows how long it'll be open? Hey, we'll have to, to keep, keep audiences. Have, have to keep in mind that they're at an economic disadvantage, too, because they can only show the movies when it's dark that's as opposed right. to running them 24-7. Yeah. Right, and that can only be open from, you know, say, late March till, you know, around Halloween maybe. Yeah. Did the uh, big movie companies, uh, Fox, uh, organizations like that, ever get behind drive-ins as they did theaters across the country? Oh, sure they did. Oh, of course. When drive-ins were popular in the 50s and 60s. Oh, definitely. And they would send their stars to drive-ins. I have some of these ads that I'll be showing in my talk next week. I have about 300 images of of drive-ins and old drive-in ads and things like that. Um, They would send their movie stars to promote movies at the drive-ins. I have some interesting ads for that. Right. The, uh, one of the things I remember as a kid was the drive-ins would often have uh, auxiliary opportunities for the people there, such as picnic tables mm-hmm. and also playgrounds for kids. Sure, playgrounds for kids. 
really elaborate playgrounds. Some of the drive-ins that Werenberg built here in the 40s had big playgrounds. They had a miniature train that would ride ride around the perimeter of the drive-in. Believe it or not, the Ronnie's drive-in actually had two bears in a cage. <laughs> and for years, I don't know what happened. One of the bears disappeared, but this... They were bear cubs, and this one grew up to be an adult bear, and it was there for years. You could just go look at this bear in a cage. It was kind of bizarre. You mentioned Ronnie's, and uh, it's it's long gone. Mm. Um, I was under the impression when I came to St. Louis that that was probably the most popular spot, was it? It was it was very popular, especially for people in South St. Louis. Yeah, yeah it, it was built in 1948, and uh, it was torn down in 1983. So it sat there. It was right in front of where Ronnie's Cinema currently is. In fact. Ronnie's Cinema was built in 79, so there was about a three- or four-year period where they overlapped. You could go to the drive-in and to the Ronnie's Cinema. Uh, yeah. What, what other kinds of gimmicks and promotions <clears throat> did they uh, used to have at these places? Oh, uh, they would have talent, uh, talent contests. I have some photos from the first drive-in, which was what I mentioned that was at uh, Ballas in Manchester. It was originally just called The Drive-In until other drive-ins started open, then it changed its name to the Manchester Drive-In. But they would have dancing girls and talent contests. They would have church services there at, at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. They would use the drive-in for that. It's all kinds of things. Do you, you, you said you were born in 1960, so did you have a chance to go to any of these Oh, drive-ins? I sure did. Uh-huh. I, I was born in 61, which is sort of the peak of the drive-in. By the time I got my driver's license in 77, 78, I went to the drive-in all the time, Don. That's why I became sort of obsessed with this topic. The summer of 78, which would have been between my junior and senior years of high school, I went to the drive-in 40 times. I, 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 keep, I would write it on calendars, and I still have these old calendars, and I actually counted. I went to the drive-in 40 times in one summer. What what did they cost compared to the uh, th- the in theater? Uh, they cost a little less. It was about a buck and a half. But sometimes they would charge by the carload of me, like five dollars for a carload. Um, but about a dollar and a half back when I was going in the, in the late seventies. Boy, I can remember uh, growing up when when the parents of of young ladies said, "You're not going no. to the drive-in with that guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's I'm sure there's all kinds of stories people could tell about their fun experiences at the drive-in. I certainly could tell some of those stories. Well, let's let's have a couple. <laughs> oh well, I the, well the holiday drive-in, which is what I mentioned. They had four screens, and each screen would show a triple feature seven nights a week. So. Um, back during that summer of 78, I would – my friends and I all had restaurant jobs, so we would just get off work at 10 or 11, and we'd head over to the driving because they would be showing movies till 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And I would always keep a, a, a lawn chair in the back in – in the trunk of my car, and I would just drag it to whichever screen was showing whatever best – but all kinds of crazy things happened to me, Don. I saw a guy get stabbed at the Holiday Drive-In. I saw a guy get shot at the Holiday Drive-In in 1982 when I was watching The Road Warrior. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Was there any real appreciable difference between them, uh, or were they pretty much all set up the same way? Uh, no, there was a, definitely a difference. The, the ones that the Werenbergs built were really uh, much nicer. They had big, elaborate concession stands. They had the, the really nice playgrounds, the trains that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. A couple of the... A couple of the other ones, like, oh, there was the, the T-Bird drive-in up in North uh, North City. They weren't nearly as nice. They didn't have the, the playgrounds and things like that. They were, they, they were pretty run down even when they – just a couple of years after they opened. What surprised you in doing uh, your <clears throat> research over the years on all of this? What surprised you well, uh, with what you learned? I, I, there's a, there was a drive-in – this is a weird story. There was a drive-in over in Illinois. It was called the Mounds Drive-In. It was right in the middle of the Cahokia Mounds, the – you know, the famous site where, you know, archaeological site where the Indians sure. built these mounds in the 12th century. Uh, 
1939, believe it or not, they bulldozed some of those mounds to build a drive-in, which is kind of hard to wrap your head around. And then to add insult to injury, they showed sex movies at that drive-in, right in the middle of the Cahokia Mounds. Uh, They did tear that drive-in down in 83, and it's part of the Cahokia Mounds State Park. And the, the speaker poles... Well, they have, they have hiking trails out there. So the speaker poles are actually trail markers. They re- repurposed those as trail markers for the, some of the hiking trails. My, my impression is that there were a fair number of them across the mm-hmm. country, and, and I guess in this area too from what you've just said, that uh, did specialize in porn. They did. Uh, there was – people a little older than me always love to talk about the Olympic drive-in, the big O they called it. And that mm-hmm. was on the Rock Road in Pagedale. And they, they showed sex movies. Now – you could not show hardcore pornography in St. Louis or St. Louis County. And, and a sex movie in 1965 was a lot different than a sex movie mm-hmm. is today. You know, a mild, you might see a woman's breast or her, a bare backside or something like that. But, boy, the Olympic driving would just pack them in. And, and the city of Pagedale was, was constantly at war with the Olympic driving. I have all kinds of stories to tell about that. But the rock, it, you could see the driving screen from the rock road. And people would be rubbernecking because they could see this naked woman up on the screen. And that would actually impede traffic. The traffic would slow down. Sure. And it, it, it drove the people, uh, the, the government of Pagedale nuts. And so they were constantly passing ordinances to try to shut the Olympic drive-in down. Uh, they passed an ordinance that if the mayor deemed something uh, immoral, they could shut it down. So the mayor and the and, uh, you know four or five police cars would show up at the Olympic drive-in. And, and the mayor would say, okay, this is... This is immoral. We have to shut it down. They, they'd close the drive-in down. They would arrest the projectionists, and they would send everybody home. Now, the Olympic drive-in was making a lot of money because there was a big market for these sex mm-hmm. films, and they didn't want to shut down, so they fought back. Uh, Pagedale passed an ordinance that said you could not see the drive-in screen from the Rock Road. Well, what the heck were they supposed to do? They couldn't turn their screen around. So believe it or not, the Olympic drive-in erected these huge poles and they wrapped the perimeter of the drive-in in this huge black tarp so to, to block it from being seen from the rock road. And I have pictures of this black tarp in my presentation next week. How, how, for how long was the Olympic able to fend off these challenges? Uh, they, they did pretty well. They stayed, they stayed in business till 77. And I, I think by that time there was um, other places to see sex films, the, the town theater downtown and the fine arts theater, which was in U-City on um, Olive were showing sex films. Uh, in 77, the Olympic, finally, they sold the drive-in to Werenberg, and the Werenberg renamed it the Rock Road Drive-In and just showed regular movies for three more years. It closed in 1980. Well, you can't blame the people of Pagedale. They have yeah. small, small children walking That's down true, the street. That's true, but they allowed children into yeah. the drive-in. That's the funny thing. There were so many innovations uh, during this time period in, in the film industry itself. I mean, you know, the big screens and the stereo, mm. stereo and all the rest of yeah. it. Were, were drive-ins able to accommodate the, uh, the new technology? Not really. Yeah. Not really. I mean, you couldn't really show 3D movies at the drive-in. No. Uh, you couldn't show Cinerama at the drive-in. The, the sound was always a little tinny compared to uh, movie theaters. You know, they had trouble keeping up. But they would show, again, they would show movies that weren't showing at the theater, movies like, you know, Shriek of the Mutilated or Gates of Hell. I remember, you know, in the late, in the early 80s, late 70s, you'd get out the Post-Dispatch on Friday and say, oh, what's showing at the drive-ins? Or what's showing, what new horror movie showing in St. Louis? And, and movies like that, they were only showing at the drive-ins. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to kind of the schlocky mm-hmm. things that you were mentioning yeah. earlier. Although, I, I grew up there, during that era and saw many of the first-run uh, movies there. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, your event coming up at the Missouri History Museum. You've mentioned it a couple of times. Let's mm-hmm. get into a little more detail about what's going to be going on. Okay, there. that's next Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m. at uh, the Missouri History Museum there on Lindell and Forest Park. That's downstairs in Lee Auditorium. 
uh, like I say, it's a, it's a free event. It starts at 7 o'clock, and I will have uh, – it's just me talking, but I'll be standing in front of a PowerPoint presentation where I have over 300 images of these drive-ins, some of these old great ads, you know, Dusted On shows and, and Casey concerts that they had at the yeah. drive-in and things like that. Uh, there's a local singer-songwriter named Kevin Rennick, and Kevin is going to sing two songs that he wrote. One's called Twilight of the Drive-Ins. Kevin's an old friend of mine, and I just happened to contact him a couple months ago. Have you ever write a song about the drive-in? And he said, yeah, I wrote this song called Twilight of the Drive-Ins about how all the drive-ins in St. Louis are gone and how we miss them. I said, perfect. So Kevin's going to sing that song and another song as well. Right. How did you accumulate 300 uh, drive-in-related photos? Well, that's a good question. About six months ago, jo- Johnny Rabbit hosts a monthly lecture series at the History Museum during the day. And he often invites me to participate. He'll invite three or four speakers to talk. And the theme six months ago was Lost St. Louis. And it's things that used to be in St. Louis that aren't anymore. So I thought, I'm going to talk about the drive-in. So I did a 15-minute daytime talk then, and I accumulated a bunch of images. And I thought – and I just became more and more interested in the subject and started – uh, collecting more images. I reached out to the Warenberg people, and their ar- their archives gave me photos of these drive-ins being built and being torn down. Uh, I had some local photographer friends who took pictures. You know, photo- drive-ins were kind of photogenic, so they took a yeah. bunch of photos of the, the drive-ins when they were still standing. Um, yeah. Well, what's the most uh, unusual photo you've got? Oh, I've got a – well, I've got a, a an amazing photo of the sky view when it was actually – uh, destroyed by a storm in the 60s. Uh, it was taken the next day. That's that's kind of a startling photo. They rebuilt that screen, of course. That's one of the ones that's still standing. They, they rebuilt it twice the size it was. I've got photos of these bears at Ronnie's. I've got photos of this this thing at at the Olympic where they wrapped it in the in the black tarp. I, I've got all kinds of interesting images. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a great show. Yeah. Uh, Tom Stockman, thank you so sure, much for being with us. Me. Telling us about the drive-ins. Days yeah. gone by, yeah. almost gone by. Uh, Tom will be giving an illustrated history of the St. Louis Drive-In Movie Theaters at 7 p.m. next Thursday, as he has mentioned, at the Missouri History Museum. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.